everybody. Welcome back to the Everybody Counts podcast. It's your man Pete with Tracy and Jay. Here to talk episode four, part of the deal. Tracy, you want to kick us off? Let's kick it off. Yeah. Episode four, season six. And it's written by Tom Bernardo and directed by Michael McDonough. So lots to talk about. We're going to get into our case review, go through our segments. And at the end, we do have another interview for you as part of our debrief segment. This week, you're going to be hearing from Bamba Jean Bamba, who plays Remy Toussaint who is very pivotal in the Jacques Avril organization. Yeah, no so, And not only that, not only that, guys, but Bamba Jean and I went to the same high school. Pretty cool. Different times. I'm older. But yeah, that's that's really cool. And he's now a you know, professional actor in my favorite show. All righty. Well, let's kick it off. We get to see someone from the past that we haven't seen in a while. Elizabeth Clayton. She looks good. good. Yeah. Yeah, she does. She looks content. You know, you, you, it doesn't even, I don't want to say it doesn't matter that she doesn't seem super happy. I mean, she doesn't seem unhappy. Right. Just that she has contentment. I mean, she was just yeah. so down, you know, last season in such a bad place. Yeah. So she's, nope. um, she's, the Seems. word you're looking for is she looks normal. There you go. That is a good. That is a good. That is a good way to put it. She's working. It looks like at a thrift shop. Appears to be clean and sober and has a job. She's doing her work. She's getting ready to take a break and she looks out the window and she sees a guy watching a little girl on a coin ride, like a, I don't know if it's a horse or what. That'd be good trivia because I don't remember. But she like does a double take. She he looks familiar to her and she as they leave in a minivan she walks out and jots down his license plate and she calls Harry who hasn't heard from her in a while but certainly ready to take her call he's making a stop at the saint agatha's hospital and she wants him to run this plate and he's like well it kind of has to be you know what does he say related to the case or i don't know but something that kind of qualifies that it would be okay <laughs> to run the plate but you know he's going to do it anyway so she appreciates that harry goes on into the hospital where he is looking through stanley kent's office you know he talked to a, a private investigator that stanley had hired last episode mm -hmm. and he's looking through kent's files poking through his drawers he sees a curious envelope looks at some folders there's an insurance folder he sees a life insurance policy mm -hmm. and then he opens this uh, little envelope and it has a patent in it and that's interesting. He takes a look at that and just things are kind of curious. So he goes to talk to one of his colleagues, one of Kent's colleagues at the hospital and they talk in the hallway and he asks him about the patent and he says, that's not Kent's patent. Who, who wants to talk about that? Yeah, that's crazy. It was actually her patent. Mm -hmm. The wife. Yeah. But there was, uh, yeah, some in some kind of deal where he got a portion of it or something, right? Am I, am I getting right. It? Yeah. Harry's like asking, well, so, you know, Alicia's the one with the money. And he's like, well, it sort of, yeah, it originated that way. But that in their prenuptial agreement, she said after five years of yeah. marriage, he would own 50% of the rights to the patent. And um, it's also interesting to me, he points out that it's a very simple product, which just reminds me that if you think of the right thing, simple or not, <laughs> right. you can right. make a lot of money. But yeah, so after they've been married for longer than that, she said almost 12 years, I believe in the last episode. So he has 50% of the rights. And he also digs into the, you know, the possibility of would Stanley ever try to have an affair? And, and the doctor's like, well, he wouldn't be smart to. First of all, there's a morals clause in their prenuptial agreement, you know, and again, he, you know, has rights, partial rights to that patent and so forth. But then he probes, would Alicia maybe be having an affair? Did he notice anything wrong in their marriage? And he said he had asked about 
you know, things were going okay. Um, he had asked Kent that, but he just didn't really say much. And he said they, you know, they did definitely didn't, didn't talk a lot, but they definitely didn't talk about politics either. They were on the um, extreme opposite ends of the spectrum. So interesting, you know, he, he learned, the doctor learned from Harry that he had had a private investigator. So they're, you know, they're just chatting it out, trying to think, hmm, could that be a possibility? So Bosch has that going on in his head. He goes back to the station and takes another look at the suspect board. And he notices something very interesting. Who wants to talk about the photos mm. and what he noticed? Mm -hmm. It's just further proof. You can't trust the wife ever. <laughs> Ever. Oh, did I say that? Robe, right? Yeah, about the yeah. robe. Talk you about it. Talk about it, Pete. Well, there's two pictures, one with a robe and one without. And these pictures supposedly were taken at the same time, I guess, which is impossible. So Bosch uncovers it. And now now we have foul play. Mm -hmm. Well, not necessarily at the same time, but she would have been tied up presumably the whole time. Yeah, so how could she put yeah. the robe away? Yeah, how could the robe, robe get moved? Exactly. So yeah, they have like the ransom photo or the demand photo and the um, robe is on the chair. When Harry arrives to pick her up, the robe is in the closet. So if she's been tied up that whole time, how could it be moved? So we'll get into that a little bit further in the episode because you couldn't make an argument either way, but it's very suspicious for sure. So given this new kind of theory, Harry wants to get a warrant to tap her phone. It's like, that's how we can probably find out some more information if she is involved here. And the chief agrees to it, but he's not like super convinced he's going to get it. But Harry goes to see Judge Sobel, who you may recall was the judge in the habeas hearing last season with Preston Borders. And so he sees her again. She agrees to do it, but not for two weeks. He asked for two weeks. And she's like, nope, I'll give you 72 hours. She felt it was a little weak, but she did agree to sign it. So he has 72 hours. Then we get to see um, Beryl, going to one of the show's favorites and LA favorites, Musso and Franks, with Ryan Rogers. Uh, we've seen Ryan before. He was Harry's partner when he was, when they were investigating originally the Daniel Schuyler murder that Preston Borders um, was involved with. But he and Beryl are old friends as well. They're just catching up, swapping stories. Ryan is looking a little warm. He wants the air conditioning up. But you know, other than that, they're just having dinner. Now I do want to pause to point out for those of you who I hope you are following the, the Bosch TV fan site run by uh, Claire, goes by the mayor of Boshtown, I think, which is really cool. She was actually in that scene. So if you were watching, she had a chance to visit set and was actually an extra in that scene. So if you're watching over Beryl's shoulder and look at the group sitting a few booths back, you can see Claire. She has like chin length hair and I think wears glasses, but she's sitting on the end and you, you can see her. So that's really cool. And uh, we're really happy for her that she got to be a part of that. Um, Wait a second. <laughs> Mayor of Boshtown, then I want to be the governor of Boshtopi. Okay. <laughs> Okay, talk to Claire. I'll work on that. <laughs> but how cool is that? So, that's awesome. Um, that that's really exciting. So definitely, when you when you do a rewatch, which we know we all do, take a take a look for Claire over there. And I even asked her, I was like, were you getting to eat some really good food? And she's like, no, it was like old leftovers. It wasn't even warmed up. You know, it's like, no, I just, you did some really good acting. I thought you were just having a nice meal. So that was pretty funny. But when Beryl and Ryan Rogers do go outside, when they're done with their meal, Ryan's looking even worse, right guys? Yeah, not good. Kind of, kind of mm. uneasy on his feet. He's sweating. And before you know it, he's on the ground. He's had a heart attack. Yeah, and, um, not good. And Beryl calls it in, you know, to, to get someone there. To help him, he ends up at the hospital, and yes, he's had a heart attack. So that's, uh, you know, that's always scary when you see something like that, yeah. and, and really sad as well. 
So then we have kind of tied into that, which it was kind of hard to, it was an interesting sort of segue. Harry's at, well, we don't know. We see Harry come into a hospital. Looks like a hospital or a morgue with uh, patients, covered patients lined up along the walls. You remember that? Yeah. And so he's looking down this hallway with all these covered bodies and he sees Beryl at the end. And I'm like, wait a minute, is he going to, is Beryl at the hospital with Ryan and he's been called and he's coming to visit them too? But then it just gets weirder and weirder mm-hmm. as he uh, walks down the hall and we're like, okay, I don't think this is reality because Bosch ends up going into this room um, and he sees Daisy Clayton. She is looking at her own murder book. Then he sees another shot of her all covered in blood. Then he sees a toe tag on a body that, Daisy is sitting beside and he looks at the toe tag and at first it says Jane Doe and then it fills up with names and one of them is Eleanor Wish one of them is um, Marjorie Lowe his mom and if you pause that really quickly pause by pause by pause you will see the names that fill it up and they're all homicide victims for cases that Harry has worked females so I, I think I ended up with about 25 names I put in the recap that I was able to identify on there well but they aren't even it's a good thing for me that I didn't put any of that in my trivia <laughs> yeah. you can't get me on that because I already did it but what's interesting for fans of the books is there are names from the books that we haven't seen in the series but it's just it's a callback to so many different names from the books as well as um, some yeah, that you know, it shows you how show. many how many people Michael Connolly has killed Okay. Well, there you go. A lot of victims. A lot of victims. A lot of books, a lot of victims. Well, then Harry pulls back the sheet and it is Maddie with her throat slit. And then he is. Dark scene. Very dark. Who wrote that? What Tom Bernardo, yeah. Tom Bernardo, who super nice guy. We got to um, visit with him on our visit to the set. Great guy. He's a supervising producer. So he's like everywhere all the time, making sure everything's going well, super friendly, but he's also a writer and a great writer. And so, yeah, he really pulled out some really a, a crazy scene, but just all yeah. those callbacks from all the names too. Yeah. You know, um, you know, that cool. might be the darkest scene yeah. we've ever seen in Bosch. Yeah. You think? In all the seasons. That was really creepy, really dark, very, yeah. Right, because it did escalate. Like, I think back to, I think of things that sort of gutted me, like when Sharky was killed. I mean, that was really dark. But this, you're right, it just went from creepier to creepier. And then there's Maddie. And yeah, so... Yeah, but as soon as he pulls back the sheet and sees uh, Maddie there with her throat slit, he wakes up from his dream, just just very, very shaken. So thankfully, he wakes from that. Uh, we also have a scene with Maddie and her new boyfriend, Antonio. Oh, They're at the, the record right. parlor. Mm-hmm. They're at the record parlor looking at some vinyl. And she clearly knows a lot more about it than he does. He doesn't even have a turntable, but he decides to buy an album that she mentions to him and that he will purchase a turntable table so he can listen but while they're there he wants to uh, meet her dad hmm. that, that kid is crazy yeah <laughs> crazy he doesn't know what he's in for nope <laughs> but that's a usually a, a pretty big step but so maddie's like okay okay we can we can try this and she tries to butter up her dad makes him a nice breakfast and ask him about meeting with antonio and and they do now as a dad jay i'm wondering if you'd like to walk through this scene of their dinner <laughs> It's a little awkward. <laughs> good luck, Jay. So I'd love your commentary on that. You know, this is such a good scene because it is awkward. They're all kind of uncomfortable. Maddie tries to be silly. There's trying to be small talk. The knucklehead orders the same drink that 
Harry likes. They try to talk <laughs> about jazz and he messes it up. And, yeah. and then Harry even kind of calls them all out. Like, you've been prepped yeah. for this, haven't you, right? And I feel mm-hmm. like I would have done the same thing. Like, good try, sucker. Just good try. Now, how about you just be genuine now, okay? Because I might not be Harry Bosch, but I'm going to be Harry Bosch when you're looking at my daughter. So mm-hmm. now, it, it, it was just funny. It, it was just funny. Was and, funny. You know, and me being a guy, too. I've been dating people in the past and meeting dads. I've been there. I've been there. I don't yeah, know that you know I, the feeling. I don't know that I would have ordered his favorite drink though. That probably would have been a little bit too much. I yeah, would've. yeah, I agree. That's a little obvious. And that just but goes you know, to show you, Antonio is not right for Maddie. Uh, I agree. Okay. You know who is right for Maddie? <laughs> Let me guess. Give me a T. Give me no. an O. Give me no. an M. No. Um, season seven. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if we've met the right one for Maddie yet. I don't know. That, that's her decision, Tom. guys. He's going to come back. He's going to try to court her. He's going to steal her away. You can have all your opinions, but it's Maddie's decision. Uh, it's going to be Detective Not Pierce. even her dad's. Detective Pierce in season seven. It's going to be Maddie's. Pierce is married. <laughs> Things change between seasons, Tracy. Okay. Things okay, change. Yes, you're right. Things can change. You, you're, right. you're, I give you that. But I do think that scene ended kind of cool because Bosch did call him out on yeah. all of those, you know, coaching, yeah. him, coaching him and stuff. But then he just kind of joked about it too. Yeah. And, you know, cause, cause Antonio fessed up and said, yeah, I'm not really good at small talk. And Harry could appreciate that. So like once Antonio kind of fessed up, he saw that he was being, you know, Harry saw that he was being genuine well, and they all just Harry kind of joked say? about it. He's, Harry said, I don't trust anybody who does. Who is. Yeah, who's yeah. good at small talk. So it was kind exactly. of like, all right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that. And guys out there, so. just be genuine. Okay. Just be yep. genuine. Don't, don't. Be don't, yourself. Yeah, just, yep. Be you. It either works or it doesn't. Oh, well. Don't, don't pay. Right. Don't. Yeah. All right. So a little mid podcast trivia. What restaurant were they eating at? Taco Bell. No. It was definitely <laughs> not Taco Bell. Uh, however, I do not know the name of the restaurant. They actually showed the name the outside the exterior. El Compadre, which is a favorite of Harry's and, um, you know, been used multiple times on the show. So, so. it's a Mexican place. Yeah, it is a Mexican place. Yeah. So I was right. Mm-hmm. They have tacos? No, you weren't have... right. <laughs> no. Do they sell right. tacos and they have a doorbell? It was a little fancier right. than Taco Bell, buddy. Yeah, I would fancy. say you were in the right food genre, but I mean, <laughs> Taco Bell doesn't even really compare to... Right. You know, actual Mexican restaurant. But you were close to the genre. So I'll I'll give you that, Pete. A little partial. So back at the office, Crate and Barrel, they're trading off, I think like 12-hour shifts or something, um, watching Alicia Kent phone and it's you know not a lot coming through you know she's talking to friends about backsplashes and decorating and clothes and stuff like that um not getting a lot of helpful information so Bosch decides he's gonna i think stir the pot is maybe the phrase he used he goes over to her house under the premise of picking up some photos to use at a press conference about stanley's death um he says they always do that and they like to have photos present you know making it more personal about what happened so we know or if you don't remember he's trying to get that photo frame that has a spy camera in it that Pierce told him about when he was in Stanley's office he got that call from uh, Pierce saying that he had he had found the payments to the private investigator and um, a purchase of like a spy cam embedded in a photo frame so he's collecting those and just having normal chit chat um, and then he brings oh, hey, by the way, you didn't tell me about your patent. And she's like, why would I? And it's like, well, you know, it's a lot of money. And she's like, that could, you know, that could always be a motive. And she's like, no, very clearly. She's like, cesium 
was the, the motive. Mm -hmm. So he's like, oh, okay, thanks for the photos, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. walks out. So, I mean, he hasn't been gone long at all. And she makes a call to Jack Brenner saying that they were, that Harry was there again and, you know, kind of poking around and stuff. So we're like, wait, what? So he definitely, you know, stirred the pot and they got some of that recorded on, you know, from, from the wiretap. And then... He does talk to Agent Reese about it. Anybody want to talk about that? They go to the park and he tells her what he found out. And then she goes and has a talk. Yeah. Uh, um, and I'm not sure why. Why did she do that? So Bosch tells her about it and she seems at least semi-interested in it. But then goes back to Brenner and says, uh -huh. hey, Bosch thinks something's going on with law enforcement. Yeah. I don't feel like she should have tipped her hand yet. I can. I Go ahead, Pete. I can count it here. Um, when I saw that scene, I felt like, A, she doesn't trust Bosch 100%, so she doesn't know if Bosch is feeding her a line of crap either. B, she felt like, I need to find out for myself, and I know this guy pretty well. I'm going to throw it right in his face and see his reaction instantly, not give him time for anybody else to bring it to his attention and see his initial reaction when I bring it up to him and then make my own determination. So I felt like it was a, move, a maneuver by her to get to get ahead of it and ask the right questions so yeah i was i was a little surprised too that that she spilled it pretty much out on the table yeah with brenner she didn't give his name but yeah still she said law enforcement and uh so if he you know if it's him that sure does seem to tip him off and what did you think about his reaction how he played it he's a bad dude i don't like him no, I, I don't know. I don't know. I felt like he played it good. I felt like he played it good. I mean, I don't know right now at this point in the season if he is the, he is the guy, which it looks like he is right now. So, uh -huh. but if he is, he played it off really well because I kind of got a feel that it might not be him. So, yeah, yeah. he was definitely very calm, yeah. didn't anything away. But the bottom line is she didn't trust Brenner. She didn't trust Bosch. She only trusted herself in the situation. So she did what she knew best. Yeah. And that's just throw it right out there and just let, let all the pieces fall where they may. So she can't get in trouble for any of this, for withholding information. That's that's like a law. That's true. That's so a good point. Is. That's very interesting. So, of course, he then goes to the chief, I think, later in the episode, right? Talking about at the end when we don't actually see it. The chief calls Harry and tells him that Brenner called him and said, you know, don't let your guy do that again. You need to stand him down and not continue with that. And Harry's like, well, okay, chief, and what, you know, what did you say? And he said, yeah, I told him, you know, I understand, you know, Brenner. And then, but then the chief says, but I want you to keep the pressure on. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, so you, keep, yeah. you keep pushing that, that wheel. Yeah. So he's all about what, what Harry's doing. Yeah, they're still, they've got 72 hours to tap the phone. So let's, let's see what else comes from that. We also have some scenes with Charlie Hoven. You know, he's trying to shake down some Jamaican drug dealers, is trying to help out Jay Edgar in sort of infiltrating the Avril organization and seeing what he can find out related to Marcos and Arias and, and Gary's murder. So he goes for a meeting. You know, they asked at the end of the last episode, he says, I think it's time for me to meet Avril. He tells that to Winston. He shows up with Winston at the Crenshaw Bar and Grill and gets patted down and everything and goes in. But he talks to Remy. He never sees Avril. And um, he's like, I came to meet with, you know, Jacques Avril. And he's like, well, how do you say it, Pete? Do you remember? I mean, he basically just told him, no, you're going to meet with me and we'll see what we think. Yeah, he asked him about his partners and he said, or he, yeah. said, he told him that his old partner was greedy and uh, he doesn't have uh -huh. a partner anymore and he's right. got business going and he's looking to do real business. So if it's not meetings, it's not with him, then he doesn't have a meeting at all. Uh-huh. Okay. And so yeah, he's, he, he's 
basically vetting him, you know, yeah. and he did, he took credit for, we find out that he took credit for a murder in Koreatown. Someone, the owner of a massage parlor was murdered. Now his well, wife is running the business. Charlie Hoven didn't take that meeting. I mean, didn't take that credit. Felix Mariama. Well, very Mariama. good. Mariama. Yes. Yeah. Mariama. Yeah. Yes, Mariama. Yeah. Let's clarify that. Very, very true. That his undercover persona took credit for that. And that's exactly, you're right. That's exactly what he went back and told J. Edgar that Felix Mariama was behind the massage parlor murder in Koreatown. But he sold it. Remy, you know, believed him. And then he meets later. Doesn't he meet later in the episode with Avril? Remy does? Yes. And, and he kind of tells him like, what he found out. And yeah. I think Avril like listened, you know, and taken it all in and said, keep, you know, keep looking or whatever, you know, see what else you can find out. So it, we don't really know. Is Felix in? Is he going to get a meeting with Avril? We don't really know at this point, but they haven't totally turned him away either. So it seems like he's kind of got the ball rolling, wouldn't you say? But they said, um, what does Jagger say? We knew there would be liars. Like, we knew, you know, exactly. a smart guy like this, you ain't going to get a meter right away. You got to work your way exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah, that would even be suspicious in itself. You're right. You're right. So, um, so yeah, we got the ball rolling there. What else do we have in this episode? Um, Heather finds out about the tracking device. She suspected oh, yeah. it. We got the guy yep. from the park yep. with Barrel to come and look under the car sure enough they found it and they decide to leave it and she's like yeah just let them believe that i don't know that they're following me so that gives her some leverage in a way as well another you know pretty cool moment in the episode the chief and jay edgar so lance reddick and jamie hector have their very first scene together ever in the history of bosch in this episode pretty amazing when you think about it huh yeah yeah it was brief you know, but he, Jerry goes in and says he wants to kind of expedite the possibility of getting on the task force, the Marcos and Arias task force. Billups has approved it, but it's just going kind of slow. And he knows that the chief can kind of get things moving. And, and the chief is hesitant, but Jerry makes good points about knowing the language and knowing the people involved, got a good handle on things, you know, but the chief's like, could it be too personal? You know, he weighs it, but he's like, I'll go ahead and I'll make the call and get him locked into to working on that as well. And let's see. So that, you know, that was pretty cool. Bosch does make some, he does run that plate on Alex Sands. Uh, goes back and talks to Elizabeth about it, gives her the name, and it does ring a bell with her. She thinks that, that um, he was Daisy's boyfriend. And then she she gets emotional for obvious reasons, you know, as they're digging into the case again. And she says that she's been dreaming about Daisy a lot more recently, that in the beginning she dreamed about her a lot, and then the dreams tend to pass and, you know, decrease. But now that they're digging into the case again, she's dreaming about her a lot more. And she's obviously, you know, not struggling emotionally. I mean, she's just dealing with a lot of emotion. And, and Bosch asks her, you know, you need to see your sponsor. And she says she already has. So she's, you know, she's on top of that. She asked him if he dreams a lot. And he's like, oh, not a lot. And she's like, if you do, do you remember them? And he's like, mm, no. You, know. you don't want to know my last dream, lady. Yeah. And so <laughs> we don't know all about his dream life, but we do know he had that really uh, cryptic one and, um, just recently. So not cool. But so I think that, I mean, anything else big to happen that we didn't touch on? I do not think so. You do not think so. All right. Well, so that's, I mean, we're going to go with that for our case review. So let's head into our interrogation room. So if you don't mind, if I go ahead, I'm going to go ahead with my question. Go ahead. Because we just talked about this. I wanted to dig a little bit more about Elizabeth asking Harry about the dreams. And this is how I saw it. And it's a little, I think, left. You know, we don't know all the answers, but he looked uncomfortable to me when she was asking him 
about he looked like he was trying to fudge his answers and he didn't want to it looked to me like he didn't want to admit that he had dreams and painful dreams that he I think that he does remember them often. So my question to you guys, was he covering up? Was he sort of fudging on the truth there? And why do you think so? Uh, I'm going to say probably. And because, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to look vulnerable in that instance. Okay. So I'm going to go with a very literal and textbook answer here. Um, (laughs) If, we, if they wanted us to believe that he had a lot of dreams about Clayton, they would have showed us it in the show. They haven't so far this season. They only showed us one mm-hmm. dream, I believe. So mm-hmm. maybe he was telling the truth. I'm just going to go with what I've seen. Okay. Well, okay, that's an interesting question, too, because I didn't think she was talking about him having dreams about Daisy necessarily, but just in general. Do you right. dream? Do you remember your dreams? But to add on to your to your question, actually, uh-huh. I don't think she was exing him. I think she exed him. If he dreamed that because she wanted to know if he really cared oh. about the case because she knows she cares and she dreams about it all the time. So if he cares the way he's been saying he cares and the way he acts like he cares, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's her way of figuring out, like, let me see, if, you know, let me find out if he really does care because she's losing faith now, too. She got, you know, she has a whole big thing in her life. She's a big change. And she thought that, you know, I'm sure in her mind she thought. If I could do right, maybe, you know, we could get this case solved and I can mm-hmm. rest. And now okay. I did my part. Is Harry still, does Harry still care? Let me, let me throw a question out there and see what he says. Is he committed? Yeah. Well, as far, the only thing I, I, I kind of explained a little bit about what I thought, but as far as I think he was fudging, I thought it was more of a general question myself. That was my interpretation. And, you know, Jay, you said he didn't want to look vulnerable. I think he just didn't want to feel that vulnerability because I don't really be. see yeah. I don't really see Henry as someone who's afraid to show emotion, especially with certain people. I mean, sometimes you can just see it on yeah. his face, you know, like yeah. when Eleanor died and everything. I mean, you just, there's so much shows in his expression, but I think he just didn't want to entertain or, or those thoughts at all. So I think he was just kind of pushing it aside. So that was kind of my take on it. But interesting, it was a little. I felt like you know some things were left unsaid. So who else has a question? I want to know why Maddie is prepping the boyfriend for the dad. What's what's going on here? How serious is this relationship? Not serious at all. Time really? Back. That's my what? answer. Come on, man. Actually prepping the dude, allowing him to meet Harry? Like, this is, I think this is major. Okay. Well, she said it is major. She's like, do you really want to do that? Like, she had hesitations. Right. You know, like, you know what you're getting into. But she didn't express that so much as her being nervous about him doing it as just being for him. Like, do you know my dad or know anything about my dad? Do you really want to get into this? And as far as prepping him, I kind of just see that as a, a Maddie trait. I mean, she when she has a job, she takes it seriously. I mean, I think she takes school pretty seriously. Mm. I think she was just checking off the boxes like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to be prepared. I, I didn't see it as much as a huge emotional investment. Like, I've got to get my dad to like this guy. Oh, no, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty just, serious. That's, that's just serious. how I saw it. Right. What about you, Jay? You think it, she really is invested? I think I think she must be. There's okay. something going on here. And I'm, okay. I don't know. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> All right. Pete, what's your question? All right. Jack Brenner, is mm-hmm. he... Is he the murderer of Stanley Kent and the lover of Alicia Kent? Good question. Uh, I don't know. I, like I said, he played it so non- like, Yes or no? So straight. Yes or no? All right, then I'm going to go with no. Jay? I can't explain. I can only say yes or no. 
Yep. Well, I don't like this game. You didn't make it up. I did. I don't like it. I'll go with no then, since I can't explain. Why? You can't qualify it. Why? Why did you pick no? Because yes is. Just want you to say one answer first, and then you can qualify your. Yes is too too like matter of fact, and it's too early to just say yes. So you have to say no because you know innocent till proven guilty, right? Mm -hmm. Plus, Mm -hmm. again, it's early. We're only a couple episodes in, and he looks like maybe not such a good dude. But I can't say yes yet. Then, you know. Yeah, I'm. I'm with. I'm with you, Jay. It just seems too easy. That it would be right. like, oh, she called him. Right. Must be him. He doesn't right. say he didn't do it. He didn't deny it. He didn't say, right. you know, he played it cool. Oh, must be him. I, I think that would be too too easy. Right. So I'm with yeah. you there. How about I'm you, gonna Pete? Say, I'm going to say yes. Yes. He's the murderer. He's the lover. And I'll tell you why. Because this is Bosch. And Bosch has three cases going on. And we are at the end of the fourth episode and on to the fifth episode. And so far, I have not seen nothing about Daisy Clayton, well, at least I haven't seen that much about Daisy Clayton to show me that they're anywhere near solving that case. So they're going to have to start chipping these cases away every two episodes to get to the end of the big case because we have so many cases open still. So I feel that it is Brenna, it is it is that, it's going to get nipped in the bud and that's going to open up the next case, which is going to be Daisy Clayton, which, <laughs> interestingly okay. enough, happens to be so- my person's of interest for this episode. Oh, look at you making the segue. Right. Because I believe that this this case with Daisy Clayton is really going to rev up. We're probably going to get two to three episodes the most with it, and it's going to get solved because it's Bosch. So that's why I, I feel like I'm, I'm watching um, Elizabeth Clayton and Daisy Clayton in that, in that case very, very carefully right now because I think it's going to come at you really soon, really fast. Okay. So timeline-wise, you think it makes sense that it's Brenner. We're going to check off that box and move on into the Clayton. And you're really interested in this Daisy Clayton case. And Daisy and or Elizabeth together are your person of interest. And then our main event, Mr. Avril, the butcher himself, Uh versus my man Jay Edgar. And Bosch hasn't even got his his feet wet in this case yet. So you know Bosch is coming up once he's done with his, you know, other jobs. Oh, you feel there needs to be time for Bosch to get involved in that one as well. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm ready. I'm licking my lips waiting for it. Okay. Okay. Well, as far as Elizabeth and Daisy being your person of interest, anything else you want to say about them before we share ours? I'm just very, um, this is my favorite case out of the three right now, believe it or not, even though I'm a Jagger guy, I really just, uh, this case really just, I, I want this case solved just for that warm side of my heart. So I'm watching this one more carefully and I, I really need, you know, the best possible resolution else I will be heartbroken. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, my person is Alicia Kent. Ooh, good um, one. Obviously there is a new perspective in the case with the photos and now they're looking closely at her. So obviously that's, that's, important in and of itself but just the striking difference in the way she talked to harry at her house when he came to get the photo frames versus when he rescued her so to speak just her tone was her voice was more clipped and she was more defensive and guarded and i just thought it was a striking difference yeah i mean she hadn't just lost her husband in this case but it it just seemed like a a big difference to me so i'm very curious about what's going to happen with the case and what her involvement may be. But I was just really struck by her demeanor was so changed. Well, you know what happened, right? She was prepped by her lover, Jack Brenner. <laughs> no, she had, well, okay, you're saying that. Yeah, she, she we didn't see her make the call, but you're saying she did. Okay, all right. She's had some training. There you go. There you go. All right, Jay. I'm, I'm pulling an audible here. 
as the uh, newly elected governor of Boshtopia, I, I am people that I want to choose for this. were not in the episode. I'm choosing our writer, Tom Bernardo and director, Michael McDonough. And I'm, I'm doing it a lot because of, of the dream sequence, because mm-hmm. in every episode, in every season, we see all the things that Harry deals with and goes through and the different cases in this, this really opened up a whole different psychological side to Bosch for me mm-hmm. that maybe I didn't consider. And maybe some of the darkness that inhibits his own life because of all the things that he had to deal with. And I think it really was done so well that because, you know, a lot of times in TV, when you throw in a dream sequence, especially one that might be dark or creepy or scary or whatever, like it doesn't always fit in the episode. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It fits really well and it makes a lot of sense. And, and I really think it opens some things up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to them for being okay. able to put that together. Can I do that? Okay. Is that allowed? Uh, of course you can. I like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. It's acceptable. All right. Indeed. Good choice. Good choice. All right. That brings us to our evidence locker. Throw out some things we have in the evidence locker now. Oh man, we got we got the uh, the camera thing, frame with the camera oh, the, in it. The frame, yeah, yeah. The frame the with the camera yeah. in it. The yeah, to go yeah. along with it, the pictures on the board that don't match up where the robe was. Mm-hmm. Found right. out about the patent that is right. really hers, yep. and she's got a lot of money at yep. stake. Uh, we got the phone tap going, so we're starting to get a little drama there. Yeah. And we got the name of the guy. He ran the plate, Alex Sands, so he can dig into that some more. Yeah, I think those are the big ones. Which brings us to our tip line. Who's a doom? We do have a lot of feedback this week. Some people are catching up because we have been moving a little faster with the podcast this season, getting a couple out a week versus just one. So I think some folks were, were surprised that we were asking for so much feedback at once. Let's start with Dan. Yeah, super fan Dan. Dan the man? Twitter. Dan the man. Yeah, I think he's got a little bit of trivia maybe in here too, Pete. So listen up. Let's go. He actually uh, has some comments about episode two, which is always good to go back and find out what people said about those two. Uh, he believes Miller acts as he does, Miller being the young attorney that Maddie's kind of working okay. inside, acts as he does because he wants to be sure Maddie understands she is lower on the office ladder than he is. She is a summer intern. He is an associate lawyer. Dan believes in his, maybe his first or second year of practice. So his behavior is about power and positioning, whether or not he knows Harry is her father. Interesting. I mean, we had brought up maybe the Bosch name is following her and that could have something to do with it. It could, but Dan's thinking that really it's just about a power thing. He also, he describes this as an insomnia curing discussion um, of the uniform commercial code and the section 308 relied on by the 308. So he, he, he's given a lot of detail about that, thus the insomnia uh, curing thing. <laughs> but in general, He's saying uh, the UCC is not English common law. That, and I don't, I don't think we thought it was, but they are referencing in that when they're talking about, and Harry's talking about only accepting or, or recognizing English common law. But he says it is relative is a relatively modern statutory law that has been adopted in all 50 states. The 308s are apparently unaware of the internal inconsistency of their position. They rely on a modern statute adopted by a state legislature to justify their claim that they are only governed by English common law that predates the United States. So interesting. If you want to dig further into that to understand more about what Dan's 
pointing out, but we appreciate that. And that might be something worth looking into, but you know, he's basically looking into their ideology and, and where they're pulling their beliefs from. He sees what he thinks are some inconsistencies, which I, you know, I see what he's saying. All right. And then he has some some comments about episode four. He said, first, a possible trivia question for Pete. There is a scene where Coltrane is shown on the couch or chair, screen right, while Harry is screen left. Coltrane has two toys. One of them is red. What is it? Now, Pete, I don't know if Dan knows how much you love dogs, so you might be familiar with this kind of toy. It's a red toy. Do you remember what the toy was? Well, the... <laughs> The, the officer Pete and me wants to be like, oh, it's a red doggy, squishy doggy bone. No big deal. Let's just keep it moving. But the honest answer is I have no clue. No clue. Was it a... Was it a Kong toy? Dang, it was a Kong. Oh, he said, wow. It's a oh, small version. Answer? He said it's a small version of a red cylindrical toy called a Kong. I didn't know you had the answer already. Look at that. I'm impressed. I am impressed. Now, yeah, he only sent this to me. You don't have it, right, Jay? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm impressed. Are you I'm sure? He even sent uh-huh. us a link. I was very specific. This way. <laughs> no, yeah, I, it's so- just I, the only reason I, I thought of that, honestly, I just ordered one on Amazon like three days ago. Nice. Days ago. I mean, well, they're sure. popular. Whatever. Should I want to order one? Dan is so thorough that he even sent me a link to Petco for this oh, toy. You know oh, what? really? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I have a, I have a question um, for Dan then, and he can okay. write back as feedback to you and answer the question. Who do you Ooh. think bought that toy? Maddie or Bosch for Coltrane? Good question. I don't know that we can confirm that. <laughs> No, we exactly. can't. Maybe, maybe we can. Mm. I mean, we, we have a lot of interviews with people. We can, we can go in there, right? Like, oh, by the way, in season two of the season I feel like I Maddie would there's a set that. dresser. Yeah. I suspect there's a set buyer yeah, somewhere. If, if Jay's saying it's popular now, mm-hmm. then Bosch probably didn't get it. Maddie probably oh, got it. Because oh, on the inside. That's just my theory. All right. Well, Dan has some other uh, another things to say. He says, second, the scenes with the incomparable Troy Evans and MC Gamey are a master class in acting. As with Harry and Eleanor in season four, episode four, Beryl goes straight to his training when Rhino needs it, and Troy really sells it. And it's great to see MC, who played a lot of heavies in his career, play a good guy. Third, also nice to see Greg Cummings show his dramatic chops in the scene with Crate where they discuss Rhino. You know, that does. It, it, it gives mm-hmm. us a more emotional conversation. Fourth, for Jay, this is for you, Jay, take, take solace in the fact that Antonio is vastly better than Tom. No. Who I also did not like. No, I'm not. Harry's colorful suggestion in this episode about the utility of a spatula would have been useful for Tom as well. Ouch. Ouch. Oh, that's a scene we didn't talk about, guys. We got to go back to that. Fifth, loved Harry Chandling Columbo in his pretext interview of Alicia Kent. Before I go, one last question. Pretext because he was really there to get the spy picture frame. Finally, and I suspect I'm in the minority, I did not care for Harry's dream sequence. What? Okay. Wow. That's okay. Everybody's opinion counts. Yep. Yep. I am not, he says, I'm not universally against the, this method of storytelling, and I know why it is there, but for me, it took me out of the very realistic ambiance of the show, carefully built up over 53 previous episodes. Harry has had previous recollections about his mother or, or stealing a meal from Musos, but they were realistic in nature, not stylized dream scenes. Have a good podcast for episode four. Well, thank you, Dan. We always appreciate good stuff. the feedback. Good now, stuff. we have some from Sister Teacher and from Mike. 
as well. Before that, guys, I have it written down here. Yeah. Didn't, um, isn't this when Charlie shows up at the station? Oh, when he's talking about Maddie, about the daughter? Yeah. The daughter's priming to get out of the car, and then Jacob comes out and goes, get the f*** out of here. Yep, that's the one. That happened this episode, right? You could use that as a soundbite, Jack. <laughs> that did happen this episode. Yes, yes. Yeah. Charlie's yes, been the, released by yeah. the FBI. Yeah. He and a friend arrive at the police station and talk Harry as he tries to exit. Yeah, I heard yeah. about that. And then they're videotaping it, and they're just, yeah. man, he's just giving crap to Bosch, and then he yeah, does the worst wasn't wearing his seatbelt, yeah. The worst thing anybody could do to Bosch is make a veiled threat or any kind of threat about mm-hmm. his daughter. Yeah. Boom, that brings him out of the car. Should have punched and him. Well, what did he say to him? You remember what he said to him, Jay? Oh. Who, who? Which way? That, what Bosch said to Charlie Dax. He said, if you oh, mention yeah, my you daughter again, yep. he'd be sweeping parts of you up all over this freaking pavement. With a spatula. Yeah. 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 No, he made it quite crystal clear. And he probably was close to punching him, Jay. But Jay Edgar comes in and, you know, diffuses the situation. But just enough to get the car out of the way. And then he tells them, these guys, you know, what to do. You know, the first thing I thought in my head is that mm. these people are egging on Bosch right now. And Jay Edgar's right there. And Jay Edgar is a lot more of a loose cannon right now with a short fuse than Harry is. So I'm sitting there like, oh, no, Jay is going to come over. They're going to say the wrong thing, and he's going to snap. And it's, it's going to be yeah. worse than his boss snap at that point. You know, I was like, worried. Worried. I'm you for Jay worried. Edgar. <laughs> yeah, Jay Edgar, he's, I mean, he's got it. He's got that. It's personal. He can handle it. But, he, but he, yeah, and he does that for Harry. I think he almost sees it as a job. You know, it's not like he's, they're not saying that to him and his, how he would react or how he even want to react on Harry's behalf or on Maddie's behalf. He's focusing on his job as keeping Harry from crossing a line. I still was worried for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I, I understand that. I understand that for sure. So, all right, well, let's get back to our feedback. Thanks for reminding us about that scene, Dan. All right. Sister Teacher, she has some episode two feedback as well. Ooh. Uh, and then some three, and then some Ooh. four. So let's roll Ooh. on through it. Triple header. Epis- yeah. Episode two, Bosch got caught watching the 308s by Reese, and she told him to go home at the beginning of that episode. She seems to know Bosch, and he responds to her as well. She requested his assistance with interviewing the leader's wife. It was scary when he told Maddie to eat lunch inside and bribed her with buying whatever she wanted. She loves her dad and told him to be safe. The chief is acting like everybody's chief, asserting his authority and getting Bosch what was needed from the feds. Maxwell started with Harry and Jerry for no reason. Yes, Bosch defies boundaries, so his lane has no lines. Jerry was ready to roll with his partner without hesitation. Despite Maxwell starting with him, Bosch wanted to avoid a confrontation with the 308s and suggested to take the lead. But the feds were too aggressive, and the leader is dead. I don't know why the leader started shooting. Did the feds' presence trigger him? Powers was shot, but still sticks with Bosch. Avril plays innocent, but I think he is sly and plays innocent. Jerry was sitting in the car, and they had an interesting conversation. I loved hearing them speak Haitian Creole. Jerry was not nice to him, but maintained his composure. Avril subtly called Jerry vengeful. Very good there. Episode three, she said she's loving Mank. Bosch looks like he got more tattoos. I think he did. I think think he shows us, uh, Titus does kind of usually shows on Twitter if he gets a new tattoo and I've never seemed to recall him getting one or two more this in the last year. Yeah. So she noticed that they're dressed down again and working undercover. It seems they chased one of the members of the 308s at the nursery, Charlie. He constantly said, you have no, no authority over me. And Jerry pointed out very clearly, well, here you are in cuffs. <laughs> 
I think Harry likes Reese not in a relationship way. He's willing to work with her and listen to her. That is the FBI person with whom he will work. She will stand up to him. It was funny when she said, how did I get so lucky? I think that is a really good point that he has identified her as, you know, pretty much, I think in his mind, trustworthy or the one he can work with. He's very doubtful about most beds. So he does seem to have sort of categorized her with someone, someone he can work with. Finding a dead body with blisters, and this was a person who knew nothing of what they were handling. Harry laughed at Gary's gadget, at Jerry's gadget, but definitely followed him when he moved in the vehicle. It was great they found the radioactive material. Jerry had to get rid of his suit and shoes. We know there's more suits and shoes. Good points as a teacher. There's more of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally for episode four. Chief Irving is so serious and not playing with anyone. He is standing up for his people. Bosch seems to have rubbed, rubbed off on him. Jerry is determined to get Avril. He advocated with the chief to part of the team so he could see it through to be part of the team. The wife has the money. They signed a prenuptial agreement, which means there was something to protect. She has reasons to kill her husband, love and money. The 308s are messing with the wrong one. Harry asked two times for them to move. That is true. Why did he mention his daughter? And again, that line, Harry told him they would be scraping him off the pavement with a spatula. All he could do was stand there. These are my thoughts for now. Be safe. Thank you. Love it. Love it. Always, always good commentary. All right. Now, Mike, who helps with the Bosch Pit Facebook site, which is fun for fans of the show. Check that out. He talks about episode four. This episode was one of my favorites of the season. So much going on. One of my favorite scenes was when Harry confronts Charlie Dax when he and another sovereign were blocking Bosch from leaving the Hollywood Division parking lot. Such an intense scene and Titus Welliver delivering a perfect response to Charlie. Gave me chills. Wow. Very cool. So a lot of feedback on that scene that we practically <laughs> left out of the podcast. Because <laughs> we're you, awesome. Listeners. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. We do appreciate you keeping us on track. Oh, and someone from Reddit did comment on COINTEL. They said it is, there we go, COINTEL, counterintelligence, a division almost all agencies have. So thank you for that because we weren't really sure much of anything about what COINTEL, counterintelligence. Awesome. And that was from California New Daddy 2019. So if you go on Reddit, there's your, there's your guy. All right. Great feedback. We appreciate it. Which brings us to our trivia. I think you said you only had one tonight, Pete. Um, okay. So interesting fact. I had one question, right? Yeah. But uh-huh. when we started the podcast, Tracy magically gave me a second question. Oh. So I have two. Oh. Okay. So question number one. Yes. That is all credited to Tracy. Okay. So when Elizabeth is in the store and sees sees the person talking to the kid, the kid's on a coin ride. What is the majority color of that coin ride? And what and gray. what is it? I'm gonna say gray and a dolphin. You will be wrong on both accounts, Jay. <laughs> I always am. <laughs> Pink and a horse. You're wrong. It is a yellow orange ish boat. Wow, we a suck. Boat? Oh my we gosh. Suck. We 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 thought it was an animal. But when Tracy suck? said that, oh I sh- I don't remember what machine it was, it should be a trivia question. I, I had the I had the scene in front of me and I had to just write it in. Just, oh you know, man. You You're sneaky. All so, right, give us the other one. The original question, you know, I, I was going with really hard questions and there was a lot of numbers this week. So I say, I'm going to go with something so simple. So if they're spending their time thinking of numbers, it's going to be for nothing. So okay. when Maddie's at dinner with um, the new guy in Bosch and yeah. she tries to order a drink but can't, yeah. what, what drink does she try to order? Oh, I know that one. Margarita. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. it? Yeah. 
I believe it's an ultimate margarita. Oh, really? Wow, excuse me. So you might have probably just got that wrong. <laughs> nah, margarita oh, counts. Let's go to the no judges. Judges say, yep, that answer's good. Oh, who's the judges, Jay and Tracy? I, I am the governor Maybe. of Boshtopia. So um, <laughs> if you have a problem, you can email the uh, mayor of uh, Boshtown. Yep, I'll let the decide. I think you guys missed that one. You just thought, oh, margarita, but it was an <laughs> ultimate margarita. Very, very specific. Well, I, I think we have probably done enough for tonight. <laughs> this was fun. Yeah, that was, that was a lot a lot to cover. I mean, every episode is, though, right? Yep. This episode had a lot more stuff to talk about on the recap mm -hmm. than the last couple episodes that we've been getting a little lucky. Because like there's a lot of layers now building. A lot of layers. So it's a, it's a lot more to break down. That's why we went, I think, mm -hmm. 10 minutes longer than normal. Mm, maybe. Okay. All right. Well, stay tuned for our fun interview with Bamajan Baba, who plays Rami Toussaint. And I think you'll really enjoy that. He's a lot of fun. Gives some great insights. And he has been in one of my favorite commercials this past year. And we talked about that. So check it out. That's it for us tonight. See you later. See you. Bye. Hey everyone, my name is Bamba John. Bamba, I play Remy Toussaint in Bosch season six. I think it's so cool that we went to the same high school. We're both monarchs. That's crazy. Isn't to that me. crazy? When you told me that, I was I was blown away. I mean, what are the chances? <laughs> I know. Well, it's just so weird that I came all the way across the country talk to you right and then i come back all the way across the country and then i find out that it's just yeah Man, it's a trip yeah well mm -hmm. to talk some bosch were you familiar with bosch before auditioning i was but not as as deep uh like i didn't watch all the all the seasons i think i watched okay. season one right uh -huh. at the beginning because uh i've been a fan of uh of jamie for so long so when i saw yeah. he was on the show I was like mm -hmm. yeah yeah so okay. i watched season one and then with the 500 other shows trying try, trying to watch a few a little bit of everything yeah 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 okay. uh-huh very cool we don't know everything about remy toussaint but right we do. We have seen so far in the first five episodes that he's often a man of few words. He's very direct. Would you say your character says just as much without words as he does when he's speaking? Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely don't do a lot of speaking, but my presence is definitely so. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definite... There's, there's a bunch of scenes um, this season that I did where I'm literally in the room. Maybe I say one or two words, but... Yeah. You know, the, the presence of my character in the room definitely speaks speaks volume to what's happening. Sure. So, yeah, sure. yeah. Now, was that written explicitly into the script, or did you work with the directors on kind of coming up with that presence? Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, because when I came on, I, I think I was supposed to do, like, two episodes, maybe three. Okay. Or three episodes, three episodes, maybe four. So I, I guess I came in and they already had Trevor, Trevor Etienne's character mm -hmm. um, introduced from the previous season. So they, right. I guess they needed, they needed his right hand man. Yeah. So I came in, you know, with the first couple of scenes, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess they liked what I did or my, my understanding of the character, interpretation sure. of the character. And then they, 
They just went off of that. The, yeah. the, the conversations we had were really about the scene. Like when okay. I came in, I know we were at the club and I was mm -hmm. assisting the undercover detective, Celestino's character. Mm -hmm. and yeah, that, again, that was another scene where there wasn't that much talking, but there was like this huge confrontation. And Celestino yeah. has like crazy presence and 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 it's so intimidating. So I guess maybe they yeah. saw that I could I could I could hold my own with you him and decided that decided to keep me to, to make my yeah. character um you know, I, I guess less vocal. Yeah, yeah. It, it works yeah. great. And sometimes that's more intimidating, you know, in someone when they don't say a lot, you know, but they have that presence. You're yeah. always wondering what are they thinking, you know, do they believe me? Exactly. <laughs> that kind of thing so exactly so, exactly job there um, now did Thank you audition you. specifically for that role or did do they give sort of just a, a like sometimes i know that they give different sort of fake characters in some shows that you don't really right, know who you're before they brought for. you in no i uh when i went in to see laura and laura schiff and carrie carrie odino uh they already had the character's name there wasn't that much of in the character description. They just said he's the right hand man, okay. and they. I think I auditioned that that first scene in in the club with with Celestino's character. Okay. And let me see. Yeah, that that was it. They just said a recurring three to four maybe episodes. I know they made a big deal about not speaking. Uh, you don't need to have an accent, but I okay. I chose to do the accent because I'm from. I'm from the Ivory Coast. It's a French-speaking yeah. West African country. So it's, yeah. it's, it's like a pretty familiar accent for me. So okay. it, it, it felt good. And, you know, we okay. kept rolling with it. Yeah, cool. yeah it, it, works. it worked great. What was it like doing through, going through wardrobe for your character? Did you like some of those things you wore? They're pretty snazzy. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> man. The, the, the war, wardrobe department was just uh, killer on this set. On this, yeah. on this set. Nice. I mean, just all the departments, but I really enjoyed the choices Monique picked out for me. She, mm -hmm. she, she, when I first came in, we kind of talked about him a little bit. And the backstory we had built was, you know, he was pretty high level in Haiti before he came here and he comes, mm -hmm. he has a lot of money and very stylish French kind of like style. So yeah. She, she went, she went and picked out a bunch of nice, nice pieces. And yeah. uh, that was probably one of my first, my, my favorite things to come on set and be like, Hey, what are we trying yeah. to do today? Yeah, cool. yeah. 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 Uh, Thank you. Thank fun. you. I'm, I'm glad it comes, it comes through. <laughs> Well, did you already know, and you said you were a fan of Jamie, did, did you already know Jamie or anybody else from the cast before you came on board? Let me see, anybody else from the cast? Think about it. No, I don't think I knew anybody. I I was a fan of Jamie because mm -hmm. of The Wire and mm -hmm. we just cro crossed paths in a bunch of auditions in New York when okay. I was there. And when I when I came on set, we we just hit it off. I mean, I think the first thing he said, he's like, "My God, you look like you could be my brother, man." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, you look like you could be." Yeah, I like I that. Like, yeah, your your scar. I'm like, "Yeah, my scar." And then you know, he found out that I spoke French, and, yeah. and we had like a similar connection with New York City and with immigrant parents and all that. So we we definitely hit it off. Really, really cool, brother. Really cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, your progressive commercial is, is really funny. I'm, I'm tough on commercials, but that one, that one makes me giggle. And so nice. you, had that, you, know, you had to have that deadpan look, you know, the whole time. Did you ever crack a little bit on any take or? Oh my God. The, the, the actors we were, uh-huh. we were like acting with the, the other couple. Yeah. They were like, they must be like veteran improv actors, man. Cause okay. they were just risking for eight <laughs> hours straight. And oh just my a gosh. bunch of different things. It was the hardest thing to keep a straight face, not only for me, but for all the extras and the crew yeah. that were in the restaurant. Right. It was just, it was such a fun, fun day. They, uh, they were amazing. I, I mean, all I had to do was react to them. So I had the easy job. They kept coming up with so many different jokes. I'm, um, I'm so glad it's running actually. Cause yeah, it's a good you know, one. I like, I like it. But <laughs> with everything that's going on to have a commercial yeah. running is a blessing. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we always try to do something a little fun at the um, towards the end of our interviews, and this time we're doing a little contest among the cast and any directors or um, producers that we might talk to. So, um, ask okay. you um, three categories for season six, like, and so, and so the the first one is how many times does someone mention Jay Edgar's clothes in season six? Mm. Just guess, best guess. How many times? Someone does a character in the series mention his his clothes. Yeah, make clothes? a reference to his clothes somehow. You know, interesting. He's always dressed up so nice, I with know. a tie yeah. and clean and tailored. <laughs> uh, man, I, I don't know. I'm I'm literally just shooting a shot. I want to say like eight, maybe. Okay. I like it. Eight? I like it. Yeah. Anything yeah. goes. No, no one knows for sure. We're gonna have to go and count. No one knows. Okay, good. Yeah, good. no, I, we, I, have I, no I haven't counted yet. So I think I think that's a, I think yeah. that's a good one. I like it. All right. The second category: yeah. How many times does Coltrane the dog appear on scene in Bosch season six? Ah, uh, yeah, I missed out because I didn't get a chance to meet Coltrane face to face. <laughs> Bummer. But um yeah, he's he, he, I mean he comes he 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 comes around man, I'm shooting another shot here. I wanna say six times. All right. I like the sound of that too. Six, yeah. Okay. And the last one, <laughs> um, Chief Irving. Uh you may have seen this in your, your watch of season one, but historically mm-hmm. he says Bosch a lot like he's just exasperated with him you know he just right he's always stressed out about Bosch yeah 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 yeah. so how many times does he do that in season six and it's not when he's talking to someone using Harry Bosch's name it's just that talking to him directly well just even by himself not so much directly but you you, trying to think of even by himself where he's like first yeah like he gets off the phone after a phone call yeah Bosch you know like he's just had it with him or something uh, let's see. We'll go with number five. Five times. Five. All right. Five I think those are solid choices. So. Well, good. How how do I know who won and what oh, what well, we what have, do you win? Well, we haven't we have not revealed that, and we haven't talked to everybody yet. So we got to get through all our interviews 
and let people make their guesses and then we'll, you know, we'll tally everything and we'll definitely announce it either on the podcast or on social media and make a big hoopla because, you know, we have to. So. Sounds good. (laughs) Thank you so much. We sure appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. You take care. (laughs) Okay. All right, Tracy. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.